Hello and welcome to episode two of Bootleg Magic with Ali Amuro and Nasri Atala. That's me, the second one. Uh, before we get started, uh, Ali and I just really wanted to thank everyone who listened to the first episode last week. Everyone who left us a comment or review or subscribed. It really does mean a lot to us. Uh, if you're enjoying what we've done so far, please do consider doing one or all of those things as it really does help other people find the show. Uh, so that's it by way of intro. Uh, time for me to give Alia a call. Enjoy the show. Hey. Hello. Hey, how are you today? I'm uh, overwhelmed. How are you? Overwhelmed by what? Is that an acceptable response to how yeah, are you? I never it's know. An, it's an honest response, and I think that honest response are always the important ones to have. Yeah, uh, no, good overwhelm, good. Just like lots of work, which is, I think I wasn't expecting a lot of work during this phase, and it just happened, and my brain hasn't caught up to the work yet, and I'm just getting there now. I feel you. I feel exactly the same. I was just on a call as well, like adding more things to like what I'm currently working on. And I was almost like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But I'm, I don't know, it's helping keep me sane right now. And I'm, there's a lot of things that I'm excited to be working on. So I'm like, maybe it's fine then. But yeah, overwhelmed for sure. And there's no break, is there? So it's almost just like, you know, that you're not, there's no change of scenery. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's, Usually, like, the time where my brain kind of powers down is if I'm commuting. So if I'm on a bus or a tube or something, my brain kind of goes somewhere else and it lets me process the rest of the stuff that's been happening in my day. And obviously, I don't have – I was about to go out for a walk, then it started raining. So I just kind of sat at my desk and went, okay, shit. Like, I'm still in my own head. I haven't had time to do anything else. And just so much screen time as well, isn't it? Like all of our work is on a screen. All of our socializing is on a screen. It's a lot. Yeah. And I mean, you know, entertainment, everything is just, I've got like, plus I've added, like I have this big screen now on my desk. So I've added screens, <laughs> getting more and more screens. I was just reading an article, actually. It was so interesting. It was saying that Zoom calls and, like, all of these sort of video calls that we're all doing as the only way to keep in touch right now, they're actually obviously way more tiring than being in real life or like a traditional phone call because there's like a dissonance because there's like a lot of jolts and there's a lot of like pauses and sometimes you know you don't get this sort of eye contact and all of that kind of stuff so it's actually apparently a lot more tiring and isolating which was quite interesting yeah i saw someone the other day who was saying like why can't we just have a normal whatsapp call like what happened like why are we all planning which I initially that's I also just wanted to do that because it just felt like a nice way to stay in touch with people but now it does like I'm I just don't have that same uh feeling that everything needs to be uh a video call cuz yeah like they are exhausting plus you kind of have to like you can't look like shit and your room uh, can't look like shit like there's a bit of planning and scene setting and stuff yeah. uh you know and you always kind of like you do that weird thing where you keep looking at yourself on zoom as well which i is so weird and narcissistic we can't help it like your face is just there i know 
I don't know. And you're like, wait, how are you seeing me? There's a lot of like, it's almost like a performance without you really realizing. And actually the article was talking, I think it might have been that one or it might have been another one. And it was saying how we're like, it's kind of like as if we, we think we're watching TV and we're like on the TV, but that's not the case. So it's, it's actually quite, no wonder we can't stop looking at ourselves and you know, it's, 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 I don't yeah, know, yeah. It's better than I am, but it was interesting. Plus the thing now is like even TV is Zoom calls because like everything is basically everyone like yeah, I was watching, you know, you watch the news and it's just everyone's at home on Zoom. Even the news reader. I saw this weird like American news thing on uh, on YouTube because I'm following uh, kind of what's happening in Lebanon at the moment. Uh, and I'm just clicking around different videos and she's doing she's a news reader and obviously in her kind of home office for CBS News. And it just felt a bit. I don't know, it's, it's just all so weird still. Even the late night host. I've gotten used to them because they've been doing it since the beginning. So them, it's like, yeah, that's what they do now. So it's been a month and so it's not as weird. Plus it's kind of not important, but the news feels more important and you just feel like they should be in a studio, which is stupid because of course they're just delivering the same news. It's the same people yeah. working on it, but. Yeah, well, there's definitely no pretense anymore, which actually is quite nice. I feel like everyone's just become so much more human because you can see, actually, I think this was like another article that I was reading. You're like, you can kind of see what everyone's like mugs are, you know, and like what they're like, you see their kids sometimes come in. So it sort of just really humanizes everyone. And I but think we want everyone to be human. Yeah, I think we do. And I think hopefully that will extend to like how we then treat each other at work and we're a bit more like generous with each other and in our assumptions of each other, maybe. I do agree with the empathy. So like you see what people are dealing with at home, you know, if, if I don't know, like if you suddenly see like, oh, that living room looks a bit cramped and there's three kids in there, you, you empathize with them in a different way when they come to work angry or whatever it is. But I... I think there's people I don't want to feel are human. Like, you know, like I'm a, I don't know. I'm not just like celebrities and stuff, but there's a distance that's comforting. Like, I think that's why the news anchor thing was weird because the news anchor is an authoritative figure telling me something from a slick studio. And that's like since the dawn of television, you know, like yeah. wearing a nice suit. And then suddenly they're in their living room and you're like, mm, you're just like me. Why should I trust you? <laughs> like I yeah. could do the news, I guess, which obviously I couldn't do the news, but um, I think that's why, like some people, I just still want to feel a bit, uh, feel a bit distant from them in a good way, like in awe of them or something. Yeah, no, I hear that. I saw on Twitter that you and your wife have been going on on walks and like losing, playing hide and seek. Basically, can you please tell me a bit more about this? <laughs> Look, I mean, everything's so boring. So we, it's all like hide and seek. But basically, the other day I told her like we keep walking together. Like, why don't we go kind of around the neighborhood, like in the wrong direction each and try to find each other, which is, I know it sounds like hide and seek, but it's this thing. I read a book, uh, like a Lonely Planet book called, um, it's it was the Lonely Planet Guide to Experimental Travel. And basically they just gave you these little tips about how to discover cities that are just a bit different than usual. And one of them is, uh, well, one of like the extreme version of what I was doing with my wife is, you travel to a new city separately and try to find each other. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Without communicating. So, like, you see if you, you know, have the same interests or something like that or can guess each other's interests. 
Um, then they have others, which is, I don't know, let's say you go to Paris and you go to the That's Eiffel Tower. Quite a fun game, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of these are quite, they're almost uh, like what a child would do. You know, like it's kind of finding the playfulness you have as a kid where everything's an adventure. Whereas, you know, we get a bit blasé and bored and weird when we grow old and just like we're worrying about, you know, I don't know, like this Uber driver only has a four-point star rating. And like whatever stupid stuff when you land in a country and like, I don't know, you know, or like you're trying to figure out the price of the metro or whatever it is. Whereas that's not the fun part of being in a new city. It's just getting a bit lost. Um, which, speaking of which, I've been doing this thing. I think we talked about this last time about weird YouTube stuff that I watch. And I've found this new thing. Well, new thing. It's been on there for ages, but I've been watching it recently, which is people go around cities filming basically like an hour of themselves walking through a neighborhood. Okay. So so the other day we just wanted to trip out on something. So we put uh, a guy a night walk through this uh, area of Tokyo. Uh, it's like an hour and 30 minutes. And we just put it on. And it was so mesmerizing. Just this, so I think someone like had like a GoPro on them or something. And it's just, there's no commentary. There's nothing. It's just the sounds of the street. And it just felt uh, really kind of immersive and weird. That's and so cool. Because we really wanted to travel to Japan this year, which obviously isn't happening. Yeah. Um, so that just, then now I get all these recommendations. About, Wait, so does video. it feel like you're actually there then? It does because it's kind of uh, at, you know, kind of uh, human height. So you do feel like you're walking through and you kind of, it's, you start to notice the things you notice when you walk. Like you're like, that person's a bit, oh, cool, careful, there's a car. You know, like you, you start having these little thoughts in your mind. Um, what I got today, I got a recommendation, which is basically uh, someone driving through downtown LA for an hour. I <laughs> so love that was, it. I put that on in the morning, literally, and had my coffee and breakfast just watching this video of someone driving through LA and it was so soothing, which was weird. I mean, it was weird. Like at some point I caught myself 20 minutes in going, this is weird. Like, why am I watching this for breakfast? Um, but I loved it. It was amazing. It felt like being, I mean, today is quite gray and grim in London and LA was just like the sun, like that kind of, you know, California blazing sun that like fills every inch of the sky uh and it just, and all the cars were white and shimmering and i don't know it just felt like so transporting that sounds amazing you're gonna have to like link us that that link i yeah. think i want to watch that as well i was actually reading the other day that you know what's people what's like really popular now as well is that a lot of people are, are watching um birds so there's like bird watching document really? like shows essentially and you apparently get like really into their like violence and like they're you know they have kids and they're like family structures and stuff apparently you get to like see all of that and loads of people are really loving watching birds i'm personally scared of pigeons so i don't think oh, my, that sister's, I'll be my sister's that. terrified of pigeons thank you it is a real thing yeah they're the rats of the sky exactly <laughs> I've also, I think everyone keeps saying this, like they've noticed the, how much they can hear the birds and all this stuff now that there's, you know, less cars and less people shouting in the street. But um, I don't know nothing about birds. Like I couldn't identify a single bird. Like I, I just go like, oh, that sounds nice. Uh, but yeah. like I have no, plus I have kind of no desire to know more. Like, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> you know, like... But you know what? Don't, don't you ever feel like that? I feel like that all the time where I'm like, 
I wish that I could know this, right? Like there's this quote that I love and it says, sometimes I can feel my bones creak under the weight of all the lives that I'm not living. Yeah. And I feel like that often, like I wish that I was the kind of person that cared about what different birds were and that I could know that. Or I wish that I was the kind of person that like would learn a hundred languages and just spend all my time doing that. But I'm not that person and I'm never going to be that person. And, me, and like, I'm just having to make my peace with that. The thing is, I think that person also doesn't have time for some of the things you, you know, dedicate yourself to. So, yeah, because I, I have that, I have that too as well. Like sometimes I'll think, you know, I haven't watched, uh, I don't know, I haven't read all these great books I'm supposed to have read. Or, then I'll try and I'm like, I actually don't like this book. I think this book's a big yeah. shit. Uh, but then I feel bad because I'm like, no, someone like me is supposed to like this book. But I mean, I mean, now that I'm 37, I just don't, don't give a shit. Like, I just don't, I've stopped all of that, you know, should I, I should care about this more. And now I realize that if I don't, it's okay. And there's things I care about that others don't. And there's plenty of other people caring about the stuff I don't care about. So exactly. we're good. You just, you just have to make your choices, right? Do you, by the way, like when I was watching this uh, LA video, because I know you were in LA recently. Um <laughs> she just said that like very wistfully LA. <laughs> oh, LA but it made me it made me think kind of where's the first place I'm I'm gonna go like for fun like because I know I probably the first place I'll travel to is Beirut because my parents are there and I really miss them and I just want to go see them um but after that like for kind of non-essential travel and I couldn't it's kind of everywhere <laughs> like in my head now I can't really pick a place I just want to go everywhere yeah, it's a good question, actually. I don't know. I, don't, I think I would just want to go, like, to a nice beach somewhere, honestly. And just, yeah. like, I feel like that's really what... And also, it's summer. Like, that's what summer is for, right? I don't know. I'm not a huge beach. I mean, I do miss the Mediterranean. Like, I've realized, like, uh, over all these years of kind of thinking, am I British? Am I Lebanese? Am I this? Am I that? Then, like, with Brexit, like, I you know, I felt quite European, and I went to French school, so I feel a bit francophone, all this kind of stuff. I actually realized the only thing I care about is the Mediterranean. Like, that's the core of my identity, I think. Everything I enjoy boils down to basically you can enjoy it anywhere on the Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah, um, I hear that. So that, I really miss the Mediterranean. <laughs> kind Me of just, too. yeah, carefree, fresh tomatoes. I have I follow this account. Oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but this account on Instagram that's basically just Mediterranean photos. Oh, Literally, wow. it just says like a Mediterranean way of life or something. Uh, wait, what's it the called? The fruit and vegetables, like in the Mediterranean, are just so good and just juicy. Yeah, and I mean, and everyone has this similar. Like when I see people who are Greek. Or, mm. you know, kind of from the, the Mediterranean coast in Egypt or, or Tunisian or Lebanese. Warm, it? It's the same. We kind of have the same baseline of what life is about. You know, family, friends, sitting outside, good food. Uh, and, you know, if you drink, lots of drink. Uh, sitting in the shade of a palm tree. I don't know, just like all this stuff that everyone kind of dreams about if they're not from the Mediterranean and we take it for granted and I, the more I'm away from yeah. it the more I realize like just how special it all is yeah no it's so yeah. true craving craving that warmth honestly what have, so what have you been up to this week what have you been what have you been doing I 
I was trying to remember what I did this week. I don't know. It's all one big blur. Uh, but thing is, like, work picked up a lot uh, this past week. So it's just been work. I've, I'm applying. So I've got this uh, documentary I'm working on. Uh, just applied, sending off a grant application today to get some funding to finish that. We've been working on a TV show that's kind of moving along, which I can't say much about yet, but that's looks like it's happening, I guess, which is insane. Um, and uh, yeah, so just like a lot of work, uh, a lot of cooking. It's just oh, I've been watching this one thing, this documentary that I've been loving called uh, "The Last Dance." Have you heard about this? Okay, yeah, Netflix, right? Yeah, it's this Netflix. I think it's on ESPN in, in the US. And it's a ten-part documentary about the uh, the like the mid '90s Chicago Bulls. Okay. Oh my god! Cool. Yeah, I mean, and it is so so good because that was my childhood. Like, I was obsessed with the Bulls. Like every kid, I guess, like in in the mid '90s, like Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, yeah. Dennis Rodman. Like, we were all obsessed. And and the thing is, like, this is they they had cameras following them around everywhere. So this is all new footage uh kind of of behind the scenes stuff and stuff that you don't really understand when you're a kid like you don't really get the rivalries or the adult stuff like they had you know all these disputes with management um you know which wouldn't have meant anything to me as a 10 year old or 12 year old or whatever um so it's been really kind of fascinating to watch that they dropped two a week and i posted something about it on instagram and saying you know even if you don't like basketball this is a really good watch and actually, a lot of people who, like the le- honestly, the least people I expected to respond responded to me saying, oh, I've been loving this. And yeah, like, I really don't like basketball, but this is just a really good human story. Oh, amazing. Uh, I'll have to watch that then. I also loved, um, I also had like a phase when I was growing up, all my friends in Egypt were boys. Like it was me and my cousin, basically, and like all these boys. And we used to watch WWE and like we loved yeah. the Chicago Bulls and like all of this stuff. So I had my little phase as well. I'll definitely need to check that out. It's funny how we all had that phase. I had my WWF uh, phase. Yeah. I used to have the biggest crush on The Rock. The Rock. I loved him. I had such a crush on him. I remember we bumped into him in New York. I was like 11 or something. I was like a child. And I was with my parents. And we bumped into... um, we bumped into The Rock, and it was at the time when he was beefing with, I think it was Triple H. Right, and, yeah. and I had, like, said, me and my brother were, like, to my mom, oh, my God, that's The Rock. He's having, he's in a fight with Triple H, whatever. So then she goes, Triple H. And she, like, yells no. at The Rock. <laughs> and she was like, my kids love you. And I was just, like, crying next to her. Like, that's you totally ruined such, this. Such an Arab mom thing to do. Like, call The Rock Triple H. That's amazing. Oh, it was so sad. I was literally like, you've totally ruined this opportunity. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how The Rock has become this superstar, like, biggest box office star. And it kind of just happened. Yeah, and it kind of happened progressively. Like, you know, kind of no one noticed that he... You know, yeah, of course, like, obviously people noticed that he went into the movies, but somehow he just became the biggest star in the world. And you're like, wait, hang on, how did this happen in the last 15 years? I saw this thing today where in, I think in Lithuania, they've turned the airport into a a drive-in cinema. Cool. Yeah. 
which uh, it's, it's there's some kind of uh, film festival in Lithuania, and they decided that we're going to go ahead, uh, but we're going to they did a deal with the airport or something, which is closed anyway, and. They're like, we're going to give people the excitement of going to the airport plus the excitement of going to the movies. And you just sit in your car and you, I mean, I don't know, I haven't been to a drive-thru in 20-something years. I've never been. Oh, it's it's a weird, it's a, I've, I went to one in Canada a few times when I was a kid. Like my uncle would take me to, to, to this drive-thru. And I think one time we went to watch... Like Independence Day or something, um, and so you tune in the radio to the right station to listen to the film. Uh, but behind us, there was another screen playing striptease. It plays out through your car speakers. I had no idea about that. Yeah, I mean, this is my memory of it, and I think that that was the technology. It's basically like when you're in that area, that's the frequency that uh, connects. But what I did is, like, I kept, I was a kid, and Striptease was playing on the other screen behind us, and I just kept turning around and watching Striptease, but listening to Independence Day. It was a formative, <laughs> formative experience as a kid. Yeah, that's so funny. I loved seeing that. Like, you know, it just made, it was such a smart way to get people kind of back together, but sitting in their cars. And I think somewhere, then I saw, again, another news story where someone in Italy is doing the same uh, not at the airport, but just like a parking lot they've turned into a drive-in. It's actually genius. Yeah, I think we're going to start finding these little solutions as we move from kind of the initial panic and everything's falling apart and life will never be the same to, okay, so what do we do to make this, you know, to find the things we enjoy about life again? And, you know, it, it gave me a lot of hope actually seeing that. We're definitely adapting, definitely. Yeah. Speaking of adding, adapting my mom made me so she I have many kitchen fails I'm not a good like I've been crying I've been like eating Nutella on toast because like food's not working out for me so my mom bless her socks took pity on me and she made this macarona bechamel which is just the dream what is no that? so it's so Egyptian it's basically like pasta like tubes of pasta with cream like cream sauce mm-hmm. and then and like it's like you put it in the oven and then you could also have it depends like my mom the one she made for me yesterday has like chicken inside you could do it with minced meat you could do it with whatever you want it is like a hug it's basically a oh, hug. i was gonna say that sounds like the ultimate comfort food and so she made it and she sent it to me in an uber no way and then the Uber came, like, and then I just had this macarona bechamel, and I'm just so over the moon. It's just made my whole week. Between this and uh, calling uh, the Rock Triple H, your mom is sounding <laughs> like a boss. To be honest, I've met your mom. I met your mom at one of your book signings. Yeah, you book did. Talks. You did. She's such a joker, man. She's such a character. She was popular. Everyone was obsessed with her. Like, because she, I think she, she either asked the question or responded to someone who yeah. asked something. And she's like, "I'm her mother. I will answer that question." <laughs> and then at the end, everyone wanted to go talk to your mom, including me. Like, I went up to her and said hi. Yeah, that sounds a lot like her. That sounds like something <laughs> she would do for sure. How she been? How, how how has she been through all of this? Yeah, she's fine. She's such a joker. Honestly, she's just like. She just misses me and my brother. So she just, we have, we have 
a really nice routine actually where every day at 6 p.m we have um like a fam like we have a group facetime basically mm-hmm. and it's so lovely because it really just makes us like it's like every day six o'clock you know you don't you don't miss it and every time we hang up she's like no don't go you know but it's <laughs> it's it's really nice to to have that but yeah alhamdulillah but that macarona bechamel is like legendary status for life have you eaten anything particularly yummy this week we've been kind of good like we made fajitas for lunch today Ooh. yesterday was tofu masaman uh yeah we've been kind of um trying to keep it varied and exciting because otherwise you know I mean, that's the only thing we have to look forward to, right? Is whatever meals we're making. Um, I mean, my favorite meal in the world is just kind of bread and lebanese and uh, like olives and a bit of salami and some cold cuts. And I just, you know, just like a casual and with a nice drink and just do whatever. Um, like that's my favorite meal. So it's like the most uncomplicated. You just get a bunch of cheeses and a bunch of, which again, I guess is quite Mediterranean. Like, cause I, in my mind, I feel like I'm on a balcony and it's just the right temperature. Like I kind of uh, managed to lie to myself about where I'm at and when I'm having that dinner. I just got an article commissioned about, so I had like mild coronavirus, which yeah. meant, and the, how I clocked that I for sure had it is that I lost my sense of taste and smell, mm. um, which subsequently meant that I completely lost my appetite. Cause like, what's, you know, like how, what's yeah. like, you can't eat it basically. Yeah. Um, and so I pitched an article about that, about how like right now, all we have right now is like food comforts basically. So losing mm-hmm. your sense of taste is like majorly insult to injury. Yeah, and I think it's one of the reasons people have been so kind of active in the kitchen and trying to, you know, make things. And I think we also replicate, like the other day, we kind of replicated what a nice dinner would be. So we made a nice piece of meat with uh, like a nice sauce and and we served it in a nice way and had like a glass of wine. Like usually we just drink wine in whatever glass is available, but we, we got like a proper wine glass, which we don't even have wine glasses. Um and we were just like, this feels like a restaurant, <laughs> you know, like we just, and we changed like the area in which we normally sit. Uh, like, cause in the evening we usually just sit like in front of the TV. So we went to the the proper table, cleaned it up, moved all the crap that was like from the work day off the table and made it uh, kind of a bit more uh, special. But we only did that once. We said we'd do it more, but we kind of, I don't know. I think you come into this with oh, so many intentions of what you're going to do. Then you just end up, you know, real, real, realist, realism kind of catches up with you. Like, no, you still have stuff to do. It's not, this isn't a holiday. Like everything in this crisis, it's been at the beginning, oh, I'm going to uh, read so much more. You have to find positives. Otherwise, you know, it's like self-preservation. If you don't, if you can't find positives, it's all horrible. So, but I think now that we realized, you know, of course, it's a horrible situation. There's lots of very scary stuff happening and people are dying, but in most of our lives, all that's happened is we just slowed down a bit and we just need to be a bit more careful. And, and and so it's, we've realized we just need to keep going in whatever way we used to do before, uh, and kind of find a way to exist in this context. So yeah, like the whole holiday thing kind of went out of the window quite early. Yeah, definitely. 
No, it's been quite interesting because I've been pitching so much, which usually I like I haven't been I haven't been doing because I've just been writing my book and stuff and then promoting the book and all of that. So like now that I'm kind of back to pitching, it's been really interesting. And I actually shared on my Instagram because I think a lot of people think like, okay, you're writing loads of articles or whatever. And they don't really know what that looks like, where actually I keep this Excel sheet and I had three commission pitches and like 16 no's. And I was like, I really just want to share this because that's how it works. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like everyone's at your doorstep waiting. Like you have to like, like you have to keep persevering. It's funny that do you still take those personally? The rejections? No, I don't even, it like bounces off me now. I used to cry. I used to literally hate me. I suck. I'm a horrible writer. All my ideas are awful. And now I'm just like, okay, that's totally cool. Yeah, I used to, same. Like initially I'd get like every rejection would be like, oh, what did I do wrong? Like, I guess I shouldn't do this at all. I shouldn't be a writer. It wasn't just like I should get become a better writer. It was like, I should just not be a writer. I should just change everything in my life. But now it's like, you know, like the, the no is as big a part of it and a lot of people they tell you this when you're getting into a, especially a creative career whatever it is it's like 99 percent of your life is going to be rejection you know which i guess makes sense like if you're looking for an agent like let's say if you're a writer i was talking to one um to a friend of mine in, in my writer's group sophie and she was saying like she got a rejection from an agent i told her yeah but it's like imagine it's like dating if every person you met was going to be someone you married, that's not really how it works, right? So this agent is going to be with you throughout a long period of your career. And it's going to take time to get there. And it's going to be rejection along the way. And it's going to be weird and uncomfortable. It's very much like dating, you know? And then one day you'll be like, oh, this person gets me. And yes, and this is easy. And we're, we both want the same things. And okay, you know, and it goes both ways. So... And I think that's the case even in terms of pitching articles, like, okay, maybe mm. it's not, maybe they already have a similar article or maybe they're doing that in-house or maybe yeah. it's just not a good fit for the magazine. It doesn't mean that you suck and that you're awful, you know? So that's been, yeah, really freeing actually. But I got so many responses to that. Like I wasn't expecting it. Loads of people were like, oh my God, like doing this. Yeah, surprised and mm. sort of like reassured almost, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because I think, you know, because that is, and I think you do this a lot, which is you kind of tell the story behind the, whatever, the Instagram post, you know, so like you do, you have a glamorous Instagram post, but then you'll say like, I actually didn't feel that good when I took this photo and I felt this is what I actually looked like, uh, etc. And because most people don't show that, they just tell you, this is my fabulous life and everyone else feels kind of a bit shitty about theirs. So, you know. I mean, even when I told you, like, oh, I love that you, you seem to have a lot of stuff that's getting uh, published at the moment. The first thing you said to me is like, well, yeah, that was commissioned a while ago. Actually, I haven't had anything commissioned recently. And it's, yeah, you know, I, it's I haven't had a pr- approval in like three weeks, literally. A commission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really important to show the whole picture because otherwise, yeah, we often feel really shit about ourselves. Like where everyone has these amazing lives and I'm the only mm. one feels like this because the reality is obviously everyone has good and bad things so yeah i do feel and actually i make sure that the uh, most of the people that i follow are similar so it's funny when you like you say that to me mm. now like, doesn't everyone do that because i forget because people who make me feel any kind of way online or who are very like obviously just that's not you it's not authentic i just can't stand to follow them anymore actually 
Right. Yeah, I know what you mean by that, actually. I think I've I've gone in that direction. And one thing I did at some point was also I'm, I made it a point to talk about um, mental health as much as I could, um, which I guess more and more people do now. But I think I felt it was important, like as an Arab man, uh, to talk about it. Plus, I didn't really like I don't have any stigma around it. Like, I don't care what people think at all. Uh, and I have a lot of people around me who I care about a lot who've been dealing with mental health issues for a long time. So it's been like destigmatized for me like a, a way back. Um, and, and like so many people would respond telling me, you know, like, oh, it's brave. I'm like, it's not brave. Like this is, I'm literally just saying an extremely mundane fact, you know, 25% of people are depressed. The 50% of people will experience anxiety. Like the numbers are huge, you know, so it's not, it's nothing special. Um, and people will ask me, like, how do you reach out to a therapist? Like very basic things. Like, how do you find one? How do you pick one? And it, you realize it's actually like the admin that's sometimes the most difficult part of getting help or getting something published. Or yeah. It's the admin. It's the, how do you just approach it? Yeah, no, it's so true. It's so true. And again, I think it's so important because a lot of people don't realize. So I've just launched this, um, the Greater Conversation newsletter, mm -hmm. which is essentially in hopes that basically just talking about things is enough to sort of destigmatize them a little bit. And mm -hmm. I kind of, my hypothesis was, was confirmed like immediately when last week I sent out um, the first real newsletter and I really didn't think I was, I wasn't really saying anything that major in it. Honestly, I basically just said, you know, it's the first day of Ramadan, like interesting. Mm. Like I feel, you know, I, I don't fast generally. Like I've often made, been made to feel like imposter syndrome about my religion, whatever. Full stop. Mm -hmm. Like that was pretty much the newsletter. I got so many responses from people. Like one woman was like, I've been crying reading this. Oh my God. Like I've been for so many years to feel like I'm a bad Muslim and a bad human. And I've never seen someone just say it like that. And I was like, God, yeah, I literally just said it, you know? And it's been interesting because I've been reaching out to a lot of my friends to see, like, if they want to contribute to the newsletter. And one of my best friends, she was like, oh, well, you know, of course I can I can write something, but, like, you know, it's not going to be life-changing or anything. It's just going to be, like, my opinion or my experience about something. And I was like, D but, dude, that is life-changing. Like, yeah. it actually is life-changing to, to see yourself or something that you feel, something that it's something that has not been sort of properly addressed if yeah. you see that and you're able to relate to it that can actually have a real impact on how you feel about yourself and things that we're not supposed to talk about it's just as, it's literally as simple as just talking about them and that is already a, an amazing huge thing i think that's um when you were saying that i was i kept remembering this tv show uh, rami you know on hulu yeah, and I mean, you know, you know a bunch of the people who were in it as well, um, and because I think it did that for a lot of people, where uh, it it kind of these conversations that everyone's probably been having amongst friends or whatever, it just made them into a TV show, which then becomes this huge, obviously, then won an Emmy. Mm -hmm. So it's this thing that's part of a global conversation now, and you're having these conversations out in the open, and you're able to be honest and also realize you're not alone you're not weird there's all kinds of shades of every kind of identity and yeah it's i mean it's just again like destigmatizing all of this stuff and you always realize once you say something that someone else out there 
has been helped by you saying that thing. Yeah. It's really weird. And I think that helps, you know, like so often I think like, God, am I really going to write this or am I really going to say this? And then Mm. I'm like, yeah, you know, why not? Because I know for sure that someone's going to say me too about it. You know, someone's for sure going to agree about it. And that feels really reassuring, even in terms of like being the one to share. I saw you wrote a piece about kind of this whole crisis uh, kind of bringing you closer to God. Yeah, bringing closer to God. Definitely. I think it's been really interesting. And actually, I was surprised at how many people um, Mm. resonated with that article. It was, again, like, um, you know, I have my own personal relationship to God. Like, that's always been fine with me. Um, And I, I found it really interesting how I was in L.A. and, you know, everything was kind of coming to a head with coronavirus and the borders were closing. And I found myself in floods of tears, like on my knees, literally praying to God. And it was the first time in so long that I'd ever like done it to that extent. Um, And I felt really kind of, and and I've been kind of talking to God um, a bit more like over the last few weeks. And it's been kind of um, relieving in a way. Like, and what I wrote in the pieces, I was like, it feels quite reassuring to know that like outside of my own efforts to do what I can, like by staying home and, you know, washing my hands and all the rest of it, outside Mm -hmm. of like government's efforts, outside of, you know, other people's efforts, it's been quite reassuring to sort of feel like something greater than all of that has our backs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a weird... For me, I mean, I've kind of considered myself, I think when I was younger, I considered myself uh, atheist, uh, probably more uh, agnostic now. Um, so like less uh, kind of militant about it and less sure because I'm just like the the real point is that I'm not sure about anything. Um, and But in recent years, so recently I went on a trip to Kiev uh, in Ukraine with a couple of friends. And um, on the last day of that trip, uh, so we checked out of the Airbnb and we, me and one of the friends, we were just walking around and she said, do you, do you mind if we go into this church? Cause I, I, I always go in and light a candle from my, since my father passed away. Um, and I said, yeah, of course, like I'll come into the church. And in my mind, I was like, you know, eh, it's just, a, it's, it's a, as if I'm sightseeing. And when I got in there, uh, so I'm originally Christian. So I was brought up relative not like hardcore christian but i was you know baptized and told i was christian and that was about it yeah technically christian exactly like you're technically muslim yeah Yeah. so so but i was in this church and i don't know i just felt kind of overwhelmed really overwhelmed like i almost cried like uh, just immediately it was very weird uh and i lit a candle with i mean my friend karina gave me a candle and she said like you know if you want to say something and I just found myself praying. Like, I think it's praying. I mean, not like any of the prayers I learned as a kid, like not a, none of the formal prayers, but like, uh, I don't know, like some sort of communication with someone. Um, and it was kind of comforting. And then again, like recently I was in Iceland and I again visited a church there. And, you know, usually if I'm, because it's, a, I mean, it's a very, it's that famous church, like the modernist church that everyone visits in, in the center of Reykjavik. Um, but I went in and, and sat down like usually I would have just gone quickly around going okay cool we saw the church we can move on but I sat down and I just sat alone for a bit and I mean I don't think it's 
I would say it's something, you know, Russell Brand talks about this a lot, like this kind of just, it's a communion with something universal. It doesn't have to be, you can call it whatever you want. It's just a moment of peace where you're thinking about connecting to everyone else. I think that's what's so important for us all to have, basically. And I think that part of part of the issue essentially has what has been and why so many people are more increasingly secular and agnostic and all of that is because, you know, there have been all these sort of rigid things that we need to sort of do to be able to feel like we're able to have those communications or that conversation when actually that in itself is the purest thing that mm -hmm. we all I think it helps us even in our own in our own lives to feel like we have that um and I think it's yeah having to kind of feel like you're doing a b to z to be able to have that even and that's that's where I think it's it's all gone a bit wrong for me personally yeah it's like the kind of dogma around the spirituality like that's where it gets lost I think for a lot of people because, I mean, what is it like when you're, I don't know, using one of these meditation apps or whatever, you're essentially looking for the same thing. Or when you're in a yoga studio, I mean, some of the stuff I hear when someone's in a yoga studio, um, like obviously there's the yoga, which for me is a kind of exercise. But then there's all this weird like spirituality added on top of it, which is really weird because it's so far away from where it actually comes from. Um, and I wonder like, what are they, what what is everyone here trying to replace, you know, with this you know, the lights are low and we're all breathing and we're all saying the same thing and we're all thinking the same thing, which is essentially, you know, every religion, you know, is, is yeah. doing some form of this. Um, but maybe that's enough then, like maybe whatever works for you, right? Yeah, and like, exactly. As long, and that's the whole point, I guess, as long as you can kind of just have that for yourself and it makes you feel more capable or more like prepared to be in the world. Yeah, that's something I've been missing, actually. I haven't been doing any breathing exercise. I haven't been doing it. I've just been sitting like at a kind of super alert state uh, for a while. And I just realized today, like, okay, I need to figure out a way to sit and do nothing. And I went to the, there's a park nearby and I've been going to that park a lot and walking. And I realized yesterday they took the benches out. To, to prevent people from sitting. Yeah, I don't know what the, the deal with that is. I mean, oh, I mean, good. no one. Like no one was really abusing that park. People have been That's pretty good. That's aggressive to actually like remove the benches. I mean, look, I think there's an estate nearby. And I think obviously like the kids from the estate kind of hang around. And I think that's, they've allowed like the council, whoever is in charge, I don't know who's in charge of this park, but they've allowed themselves to remove the benches because it's just council kids rather. Wow. Like I don't think they would have done this in a posh park. Like I think in a posh park, there would have been some you know strongly worded letters from people to say like where have our benches gone uh, and here they know they can just take the benches away well maybe you should write that strongly worded letter <laughs> yeah yeah that's how middle class i am i actually do write a few <laughs> strongly worded letters to the council i this is this is when i knew i was officially old and middle classes <laughs> i wrote there was a, i got a letter in the mail about um they were planning a new they were going to change the direction of traffic in the area and build like a bike path and all of this. And they had, they were consulting people in the area and I filled in every question. <laughs> I had opinions yeah, on everything. Yeah. I don't drive or cycle. Like I don't do either of these things. You definitely cross the barrier, <laughs> dude. Congratulations. <laughs> but I had Congrats. opinions on everything. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> you know, after living in the Middle East, I feel like I need to 
every opinion that I'm asked that can have an impact, I use because I've seen yeah. what it ha- what happens. I mean, I'm just looking at Lebanon now. The revolution's back in full force because everyone's you know hungry and like the currency's collapsing and and I mean it's a terrible situation. So having when I left Lebanon in 2015 16, I just I I was so appreciative of reconnecting with the UK and all the rights I had here. And the things I took for granted. So when I grew up, you know, when I was a young adult growing up in the UK, I never voted. I mean, I'm ashamed to say it now, but I didn't vote. I didn't kind of really care what happened in my area. And when I came back, I was like, I'm using my voice because I have a voice here. And I know that so many people don't elsewhere. And I'm going to use it as much as I can. No, you're so right. We should exercise all of all of all of our rights to be able to to say and have a part to play in the world that we're living, right? I only recently started voting as well, and it's weird. It's weird now to think that it, I only recently started voting. Like, what does that mean, even? But you know, I think because we come from cultures where it doesn't matter who you vote for, so we we have these this dual because like, we often talk about our two identities or multiple identities and. We often think it stops at, you know, our relationships, our family, but it also affects our relationship to politics and the police. Like I had to learn to not be afraid of the police in the UK because I was a teenager in Lebanon where you're afraid of the police because the police is abusive. Like they they just like to kind of have fun when there's like a group of I remember when we first started to learn to drive and I was 18. Like if we were four 18 year old guys in a car, like you just get stopped and there's checkpoints everywhere. Like, oh, checkpoints, they just have fun with you, right? They just take your papers, make you wait an hour, kind of with no basis, like in reality, like in like no probable cause for anything, just kind of, you know, fuck with you, essentially. And so I came back, when I first came back to the UK, like around 20-something, um, I, had, I had to relearn, like, you're supposed to trust the police, uh, well, depending like, on who you are it. as well, though, right? As well, of course, of course. Like, again, like we just established, like I'm very middle class and write letters <laughs> to the council. So, so I'm, I'm supposed to trust the police. I know the police is like, isn't <laughs> as, as friendly with other kind of categories of people. Um, I don't look visibly Arab or, you know, like I can pass for white, which I'm sure also helps with the, how I get treated when I'm, you know, when I ask a cop for directions or if i'm doing something slightly illegal i mean i don't do anything illegal but the other day i found myself <laughs> dr- I, I rented the zip car and i was so fascinated by the fact that this zip car was all electric that uh, i pulled out of the parking thing and was on the wrong side of the road for like a minute like for, for not a minute like a, a few seconds like i pulled out and didn't go to the right side of the road immediately and a cop car came up up in front of me on on the right they were on the right side of the road and i looked at them and kind of did that you know proper british middle class like face where you go mm, sorry you know? <laughs> I, I just made them, i'm sorry and they kind of like literally see the face <laughs> so they nodded and uh, we just went along there was no like what are you doing on the wrong side of the road that's amazing i can totally see that face so what was your highlight of the week then? Honestly, it's so weird. I'm so, there's so many thoughts in my head that I can't think of a highlight, which is weird because I tried to sit down and think of one. And it, the week is just like one big mushy blur, blur uh, which has all been good. I mean, obviously the highlight is like work is going well. And 
you know, we're, we're building this TV show. It's going really quick. So from initial idea, like literally we had the idea 10 days ago, we built a pitch Bible. We wrote a, a couple of episodes. We pitched it. They've said, yes, wow. uh, we're, talking, we're talking to actors. All of this has happened in 10 days. Um, and I mean, it's, it looks like it's happening. Uh, That's but, amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like I haven't really had time to stop. And cool. Think well, that sounds even... like a really great highlight. Yeah. I think I think <laughs> that, that can be a highlight. <laughs> Mine's my Corona Bechamel, so I think that's pretty much oh, even. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> what about low lights? Honestly, low light for me, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you get like grow. Anyway, whatever. This is the reality of life. I'm seriously PMSing. And really? in quarantine, it's really much worse. Let's just put it that way. Like, it's just, yeah, I could punch someone in the face if someone was in finally. <laughs> so that's probably good news. <laughs> There's no one around. <laughs> that I'm alone, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, everything is just multiplied by 10, right? By this crisis, like, uh, I'm literally, anxiety. like, watching shows crying, you know? Like, I'm really yeah. in my feelings. Like, I'm just, like, sobbing to myself, like, really what are you, excessively. What are, you, what are you crying at? What are you crying at? I've been watching, oh, God, it's absolutely brilliant, though. But honestly, I've been crying at anything, like, a, a poignant moment, you know? A, a nicely written w- sentence in a book, my mom sent me a picture of her when she was like 40 and I just started crying looking at the picture <laughs> of her. Like, oh my God, it's just never ending. What am I not crying at? Yeah, I have been honestly, like I find myself, I watched this uh, coronavirus uh, uh, special on Netflix that Vox made and it's really good. Like it's very informative. I actually felt like much smarter and more informed when I finished it. But there's this one part of it where they just show people kind of on zoom singing together and i just started bawling and i was like what is like and i watched it a second time because my wife hadn't watched this i watched it again with her and i cried again i'm like what the fuck man like i knew this was coming why did i <laughs> it's so but weird you know what? i feel like when we're like kind of sensitive in these like sort of sensitive things like when things happen that make us sensitive i suppose what i'm saying you almost feel like your nerves are like on the outside of your body and i think that kindness like kindness in those instances just triggers you into just being sad that's so true that's so true because we are like extremely like raw you know at the moment and and just things like for me it's every time i see something that's like about human connection that's when i just like you know someone making an effort for someone even if it's just like, even all the singing, even though it's been a month, we've been seeing people singing from their balconies. It still kills me every time. I feel you know, like I'm going to cry just listening to you. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. Well, my, my low light is like linked to all of this, which is I was in kind of seeing a therapist for about 18 months uh, and loving it. I mean, initially, like I really needed it. Like it was, uh, I was going through something and I needed it. Then I just kind of stuck with it because... I realized it's not just something I want to do when there's a crisis. It's something I want to have as part of my maintaining as if, you know, like exercise, like so it's something you don't just do to lose weight. You have to do it to stay healthy all the time. So mm-hmm. I was trying to, trying to keep it going. And then I was actually really good with it. Um, and then about, I would say like a, a week into lockdown, my therapist announced to me that she was no longer going to be a therapist Oh, what good timing on her part. 
right right when you might need her the most. I know she was leaving her practice, uh, which I mean, I I was okay with it because I I was I was thinking like maybe it's time for me to stop for a bit because I was doing relatively well. I mean, I was I, I was using therapy mostly to kind of understand myself and my work and so it wasn't like I, I wouldn't it was just more of um it was almost like life coaching at that point you know um but it was kind of weird you know and obviously like I've, i i couldn't i didn't ask her why or anything because i always felt that that was too much of a, a step in into her life which i think is not what the relationship should be um out of respect for the profession i mean um so yeah, and, and I've just like this week realized, like maybe I could have done with some therapy during this crisis. Actually, I, I kind of miss uh, miss that. Just the just the you know because it is a bit like we were saying. You just take a moment, a step back, allows you to think about things. Someone helps you recontextualize something that that you think makes sense, and then you realize, oh, actually, no, I've been thinking about this a bit like from the wrong angle. So yeah, that was my kind of low light was just realizing that I don't have that anymore and just trying to figure out, I guess next step is figuring out how I get that again somehow. Yeah, well, I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of like online counseling and things at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It just it's not feels... quite the same, obviously. As yeah, like exactly. Because your... I used to like the, the um, ritual of it, like going to the place it was almost uh, sacred for me. Even if I had to travel for work, I always made sure that like on, it was Wednesdays. I always made sure that I didn't miss the Wednesday. Like I'd find a way to build my work trip around being here for both Wednesdays. Like I wouldn't be away for a week or I wouldn't be. um, So it helped me organize my life. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of low on the, on the list of problems I think in the world at the moment, but it's still, it's something to, to think about. What about, what are you, what have you been watching? I've been watching, um, it's absolutely brilliant. Everyone should need to watch this. It's called The Morning Show. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Apple? Yeah, it's on, it's it's Apple, but it's also on Amazon Prime. Okay. I think, I think, maybe I made that up, but yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, I would just finish watching The Morning Show and it's um, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston who... I did not know could act this well. Honestly, it's the best thing I've ever seen her yeah. in. Um, and it Ooh, just Jennifer so... Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Like, obviously, Rachel is like an OG legend, right? But, like, this is just something completely different. Um, and they so brilliantly tackle Me Too. And, you know, the, the, like, the men's kind of angle of it as well was quite interesting. It is basically the story of like two morning show hosts and the male is accused of like me tooing women. Right. Um, and it just follows all of that. And, Oh, it's just absolutely fantastic. I've been meaning to watch that, but I mean, cause I know when it dropped on Apple TV, like everyone kind of, I mean, the cast is massive. And so everyone was, I mean, thing is when it dropped, it was the first Apple TV show. So everyone was talking more about like Apple TV and where it fits in Apple TV rather than about the show itself. And I thought like, I quite like to wait a bit before I watch something away from the buzz. I totally hear you. Yeah. So actually that sounds really good. 
I'm doing that with normal people at the moment. Like everyone's buzzing about normal people. And I read the book and I loved it. So I'm like, I actually don't want to, I don't want to watch it right now at all, actually. I didn't, I, I read the conversations with friends. I didn't read normal people. I really liked it. It was very good. They're not related, are they, the books? No, they're not related. But it's like, you know, same, like similar, um, similar yeah, worlds, I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sally Rooney's amazing. So what have you been watching then? She's also lovely, by the way. I saw her speak at a Faber, at, at Faber and Faber, at a thing uh, when I was studying there. Uh, she came in and spoke and she's so cool. Like, she's so chill. Like, I mean, it's, it was just, you know, when you, sometimes, you know, someone has all this success and you just look at them and you're like, yeah, you really deserve this because, you know, you're, you're embodying it in such a good way. And yeah, that's how I feel about her. Love that. What am I watching? Well, I mean, yeah, so The Last Dance. I started a new thing yesterday, which is Gangs of London. Okay, is it good? It's pretty good. I mean, it's like hyper-violent. It's the guy who made The Raid, uh, Gareth Evans, I think. Uh, and it's like the super stylized, you know, London gangs. There's Kurdish gangs and Albanian gangs. and But like all as if it's in John Wick. Like it's this really weird... I just watched the first episode. It's quite long because it's an hour and a half, but I think oh, they're okay. an hour from here. So I'm going to see, but I've, but I love, I just love my crime, you know, slick crime family drama stuff is just like right up my street. So, so I've been enjoying that and just the last dance. Like I just, Oh, and yesterday. So I'm obviously, this is not like, um, this isn't groundbreaking, but, uh, the Brooklyn nine, nine, I think they're in their last okay. season. I've never watched it. I feel like you've I feel like you've been raving about this for a while. It's just it's like the ultimate. I mean there's a re, like every time you go on Netflix you see it's always in the top 10. I guess it's like what I guess Friends was for another you know for my generation. It's but it it also plays a different role. It's more like workplace comedy. It's just really funny. It's such a nice hang. It's sweet but like while not being kind of cheesy. Okay. Uh, it's really good. And now they're in the last season and it's just such a good season. Like they're doing such a good job of wrapping it up. Um, and it's like perfect. Like I just needed something comforting to watch yesterday and it was just there and it was so good. You know what I started watching last night, actually, to that end? Because um, I noticed that I actually really like to, I mostly like to watch things that like mean something, even if it's like quite subtle. But anyway, so I started watching uh, Mindy Kaling's new show, that just right. came out on Netflix, Never Have I Ever. And mm. it's like this 14-year-old South Asian girl in America and like kind of trying to figure out her life and high school and grieving her death of her father and all of that stuff. And I actually quite enjoyed it. It's also like similarly quite, um, it's like quite light. It's quite funny. It's not too, uh, it's easy to watch. Yeah, Mindy Kaling, I mean, she's, you know, she's like super talented and I didn't know, I hadn't heard about this actually. Yeah, but it was, it was weird, it was annoying and I think I feel like this every time something like this drops because then I'll go on Twitter and there'll be all these people being like, well, I didn't relate to that experience, that wasn't uh, my experience as the South Asian or whatever, you know, when Rami came out, that's not my experience and I'm just like, 
guys, like if you feel like that, then I think you should go write your own book or you should go write your own TV show. Because honestly, we, we need as many stories as possible. And if you don't relate to something, then that's fine. Why don't you then share something that, you know what I mean? Like it's Plus, like, I, I don't think anyone watched like, I don't know, everybody loves Raymond and went, oh, this isn't my experience of being Italian American. Like that's not it's it's this family like it's a story about this family like stop this is i've kind of one of the very intelligent things i've done in the past 10 days is i basically haven't been on twitter Mm. i've like popped in and out a couple of times but i just realized there was just way too much doom and gloom about what's actually happening in the world but like multiplied by 10 so it's already Mm. terrible but somehow twitter makes it 10 times more terrible with these predictions and kind of people fighting about predictions and all this stuff yeah it's ridiculous yeah yeah and i realized as well like because i'm in a creative uh kind of place at the moment i realized twitter really dampens that creativity because you start uh like those voices you were saying like i'm doing a show now like, I'm going to have all those Twitter voices in my head saying, but that's not mm. how you should do this, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I'm sometimes one of those voices on Twitter. And I really hope, like, and I'm actually like, I was like, maybe I'm not going to do that anymore because I don't want to yeah. be be the person putting the kind of ideas they're putting in my head in someone else's head. So it's made me more empathetic about, like, what people read on Twitter. And just in general, like, I mean... I guess Instagram is the only one I'm on at the moment. That definitely feels a lot more negative. I've been spending a lot of time on TikTok and I'm like, really, it's just fantastic. People are so creative. Are you you just consuming or are you making videos? Oh no, I'm just consuming. I'm just, actually, no, that's a lie. I made one video of me making a Nutella like toasty which i feel like is permissible i haven't like memorized dances and stuff i i'm gonna really try hard not to do that i think i'm too old it looks like so much work it's literally for 15 year olds yeah i mean i think it used to be 11 year olds now it's like there's some 20 year olds i mean you know it's just like I mean, I love that it exists. I love when a TikTok video makes its way to Twitter or to Instagram and I see it there to as the a BBC? meme almost. Or the BBC, yeah. The one where they were like pretending to DJ and like, oh, waiting for the fight, like the five o'clock daily briefings. It was absolutely hilarious. You know, that's because there's this uh, BBC correspondent called Sophia uh, Smith Galler, I think. And uh, she she's like the religion correspondent at the BBC, but she kind of got on TikTok and she went viral on TikTok. So she's now like the BBC's unofficial TikTok person. I love that. And so she really gets it because I think it's one of these things where you need to get the language of it and the codes of it. And so she gets it and kind of translates it for dummies like me who are approaching 40 rapidly and to like understand like this kind of separate subculture or whatever that that exists on TikTok. It's a good gig. No, I love that. It's a decent gig, yeah. Yeah. Shall we wrap it up? Yeah, I think so. I think we had, um, yeah. I think what else? Is there anything else? Parting thoughts? Not so much. Watch the morning show. It's very good. I'm going to do that. And I think from next episode, we're going to try and get someone, a third person involved. We'll get some guests. Yeah. We're going to figure out who's going to say yes, basically. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a few friends, but I'm sure we'll get someone to say yes. We'll find someone. We'll find someone. 
And then we're gonna have to have like quest love where like someone massive and oops, surprise. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think quest love is gonna be on episode three. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 300, we'll get quest Who love. knows, who knows. Anyway, have a good rest of your day. You too, Alia. Bye. Talk soon. Bye.